Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture Podcast. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you have not given us a rating and review, I would encourage you to hit pause real quick, give us a rating and review. Again, that does help our podcast to make it a more available for those who are looking for youth ministry content. Again, I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. Happy Friday, guys. I, uh, this, this week's topic, uh, I think it's something that all of us here struggle with, uh, is retaining volunteers. Uh, I don't know what about you, David, but I, I was always trained on kind of how to recruit Mm-hmm. Uh, volunteers and different strategies and recruiting, but I don't remember much about retaining volunteers. Yeah, um, I've mostly remember, and I'm going to say remember because I probably forgot. I mostly remember hearing about how to find volunteers, how to recruit volunteers, how to get volunteers into your ministry. Um, and most of what I've heard about retaining them or keeping them or something of that nature has been mostly from mentors within the ministry, but not formal training kind of stuff. Right. I, I, absolutely. I would say this is the same thing with me. I just don't remember much. Um, never really had a conversations about retaining volunteers until a few years after being in a ministry is when I was starting to have these types of conversations with um, just other people in ministry, other leaders. Um, so I was really happy uh, to get to talk to uh, Christine Kreischer specifically about this topic. Again, this is this interview is actually a little bit old. We had this, I uh, was had an opportunity to talk to her before this coronavirus uh, craziness that we're all going through. Uh, but I really believe this is a topic that's even more important now uh, because as a youth pastor, you yourself cannot do everything. You have to lean more on leaders to help you and to train them and, and to work in the ministry more than ever before. Amen to that. And I've heard of pastors already that have had um, volunteers or even church members tell them that uh, they're probably not going to be back physically to church for a while, even after the quarantine gets lifted until there are certain safety measures that are put into place or a vaccine has been developed. And that could affect some of our volunteer base. And so um, it's a very vital topic, especially now on how to keep them around, especially when they do want to serve, but they don't feel safe coming back physically yet. Absolutely. So guys, stay tuned as we talk to Kristen Reicher.
Well, guys, I am really excited about our interview uh, today. We're going to be talking about a topic uh, that I think and truly believe that every single person in ministry struggles with, and that's with this idea of retaining volunteers. Uh, so I'm really excited to be talking to, to Christine uh, Kreischer specifically about uh, this topic. Uh, but before we dive into into this, um, how about Christine? How about you introduce yourself a little bit uh, about your story and your journey in ministry? Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me on. It took a little while to get us together here, but I'm excited to be talking with you today. Um, as you said, my name is Christine Kreischer. I'm a pastor at a church in um, Reading, Pennsylvania, which is about about an hour and a half north of Philadelphia. And I have been on staff for uh, over 12 years. My title now is Executive Director of Ministries, so I oversee the ministries from um, kids through adults and um, have an incredible team that I get to um, serve with, and that's, it's been an incredible journey. I started out in kids' ministry, which um, is, uh, you know, kids and student ministries. It's the area where you need the most volunteers, typically in a church, and um, it recruiting volunteers and retaining volunteers just became something that I love developing leaders is is still one of my greatest passions. Um, And so I've, I've been blessed to be able to do that for over 20 years combined with both from a volunteer perspective and volunteer leader role into a staff role. And um, yeah, so that's, that's a little bit of me. Um, As far as personally, I have been married for 25 years. I have three grown children, all guys, Jason, Jordan, and Jimmy, my youngest, my oldest is 30, and my youngest just turned 21. Um, yeah, so a couple grandbabies, so it makes me feel really, really old, but I'm not. I still feel 30 in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're talking about, uh, again, we're talking about this topic uh, of, of recruiting, uh, but when I, th- when I think a lot of, a lot of youth pastors, ministry leaders, when we come to volunteers, I think a lot of times what we stress, we stress recruiting, mm-hmm. uh, recruiting, 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 but I don't think we stress as much of re- how to re- retain the volunteers that we have. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that that's an element that a lot of times is missing. I, I'm starting to hear this, the concept of retaining volunteers more and more, uh, which I think is great. Uh, but I think over the over the years, I think it's one element that has been missing is is how do we retain uh, the current volunteers we have? Let's focus on the ones that we have, and I'm not saying that recruiting is not important it is, but I think more of our time and energy should be in developing and pouring into the leaders we currently have. Yes, it is so true. I think that um, I think I was thinking about this this morning, and um, you know, a lot of times we go to the doctor right? And we say, hey, we have this problem. And the doctor gives us a Band-Aid or the doctor gives us a prescription and just kind of like to take the symptoms away. And a lot of times what happens, what doesn't happen is we don't get to the root cause. And so um, I think we find ourselves in ministry, and I'm speaking from personal experience, where we we just keep looking around and we keep thinking, gosh, I, I just need, I need more people. I need more volunteers. I need more volunteers. And then we focus on that. And that's exhausting because it's the revolving door of volunteers coming and going, coming and going. And we keep asking why, 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 well, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> why can't I get more? And why won't the you know, lead pastor get up on the stage and make the big announcements and beg for volunteers for me? 
when really it's a systemic issue many times and it's really that our culture, our volunteer culture isn't thriving. And when it's not thriving, we're not retaining or I really love the word engaging, right? So it, it's volunteers who are engaged are volunteers who stick. Um, and so what we have to do sometimes is just kind of pause, push pause and say, I mean, and I recognize that Sunday's always coming, right? And if you have midweek programs, that's always coming. Um, but in, in some respects, you have to pull back and you have to pause and you have to evaluate and assess what is my current volunteer culture like? Um, and what are some things that are missing? And what are some things that I can do to make improvements there so that when new volunteers come, I can engage them, I can retain them. Um, but we tend to keep going because, and we tend to just keep this, you know, mentality without even realizing it. I think sometimes of just, I just need warm bodies where what you really need is volunteers who are thriving, love what they're doing. The culture is right. And now they're doing the recruiting for you. That's when you know you're winning. That's when you know that your volunteer culture is right. It's when they're recruiting for you. You, you kind of touched on it uh, uh, just briefly and just then, but why do you, uh, why do you think that um, youth leaders or ministry, you can even go across the board and ministry leaders in general, uh, focus more on recruiting? Why do we focus more on recruiting rather than retaining? Yeah, I think because it feels like that's, that's the solution, right? Because it's, it's the obvious answer. You look around the room and you realize, I don't have enough people in this room to minister to these students. And so you feel like, well, so then I just need more, more people. And I think it's tyranny of the urgent too, right? A lot of times we catch ourselves in this, like we're on this train of just like, we just keep going, we keep going, we keep doing what we're doing when we really need to pull back and figure out that what we need to do is work on the, the core issues, the deeper issues, assess the situation and start to think about what do I need to do to have an irresistible volunteer culture? No, absolutely. And I, and I, I guess maybe I've, I've been in both uh, sides of the aisle when it comes to church sides. Um, I grew up in a church that uh, my grandfather was a pastor there for 40, uh, 40 plus years. My dad was a pastor there as well. Uh, it was it was running about 1,200 by the time I left, which is on the border of becoming a mega church. Mega church mm-hmm. is generally typically uh, considered about uh, 2,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I and college served at a church um, that was a mega church. So I've seen different ends of the aisle, and because mm-hmm. I'm currently serving at a church right now, currently that is uh, I would consider smaller. Um, and the at national average of church size is considered large. Uh, but so I've seen both, both in the aisle. I would have to say that when it comes, in my experience, at least in a larger church setting, uh, I've, I've seen more of a revolving door uh, than even what I've seen in a, a smaller church setting. Part of it has to do with the amount of volunteers you have to have. So you're going to see that a little bit more. Uh, but I have not really, as a, serving as a lay leader, and a lot of these churches never had um, soaring pouring me into me as a leader uh, for this concept of retaining. I hear more about the recruitment, 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 uh, recruiting more volunteers, asking, do I need more, uh, no more volunteers to recruit, that type of thing, rather than trying to developing me um, as a leader serving in your ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that kind of leads me to the next thing I wanted to ask is, is what, what are some, we kind of talked about a little bit, but what are some strategies that we as leaders uh, can do in order to try to retain our, our volunteers? 
Yeah, I love that question. But if I could just back up a little bit, because I think that, and this is one of the things I've been on this huge kick the last probably year and a half, um, as I started to peel back the layers of like, okay, so what are some of the, the core issues of not just the symptoms, we need volunteers, but the core issues of why we're not recruiting and, and retaining volunteers, developing people the way that we need to be. And what I've um, discovered is that it's really, it's about mindsets, right? So our, I can teach you the best strategies because they're there. I mean, it's, it's so obvious. The research is there. We wrote a book about it, you know, all, the four strategies for um, creating an irresistible volunteer culture. But what I realize is even when I teach the best people, the best strategies, if their mindset isn't right, when it comes to recruiting and developing people, the best strategies will fail. And so when I say that, I mean, um, here's a perfect example and just a real simple way to put it. If I say to you, I want you to go out right now and I want you to recruit five new volunteers that will do X, Y, Z, and it's going to make an incredible impact and share the vision with you and do all of those things. I want to know what happens inside of you when I say, I want you to recruit five volunteers. Do you get excited? Because you think, wow, I get to give five people an incredible gift. I get to ask five people to join me in this incredible adventure of changing lives, right? Or do your palms get sweaty? Do you get a little anxious? Do you feel like, ugh, right? Because, and it, so it's, it's this, like, is it, are you giving a gift or are you giving a burden? Same with developing people, right? When I say, like, let's develop some incredible high-capacity leaders. Do you come from a perspective of, the mindset of where you're making assumptions, where you feel like you start to say like, oh, that person's really busy. That person runs a business. That person has, you know, several kids, that person. And you make assumptions for people or you do, do you say, man, yeah, that person would be a rock star. Maybe that person would even be better than me. And so let me, let me develop them. Let me pour into them and invest in them. Um, because if your mindset isn't right, the best strategies aren't going to work. And so something I've been really challenging ministry leaders about, and even the people that I lead um, at GT, is to really think about your mindset. And to, it's possible to shift your mindset, right? You've got to start. And the best way to do that is to think about your own personal experience. Who tapped you on the shoulder? What if they didn't? Who poured into you? What if they didn't? What if people made assumptions of you and robbed you? from being a part of the most significant thing we can do with our lives. Um, so, sorry, I get a little passionate about that because <laughs> that's huge. And I think we that's one thing we tend to just overlook and say, oh, no, that's not that big of a deal. It's everything. So, but you asked about strategies, so we can talk about strategies. <laughs> um, Darren Kaiser, who I co-wrote um, our book with, um, he did his, uh, he was getting his PhD and he was studying volunteer retention and did his thesis on volunteer retention. And so he did years and years of research and studied years and years of research to figure out what are the strategies for recruiting or retaining volunteers and creating an irresistible volunteer culture. And there's four. So we say you, you need to, excuse me, you need to celebrate their significance. And we can break these down a little bit, but I'll go over all four of them. So you need to celebrate their significance. You need to provide first-class support. You need to fuel meaningful connections. And you need to empower volunteers' passions. So if you want to start at the top with the um, celebrate their significance, what we mean by that when we say that is that you have to connect what a volunteer does, the role that they do, to the mission, right? Constantly. 
So it doesn't matter what they're doing, whether they're serving on like a crash team for our student ministry, we call it crash team. It's kind of like security and just making sure everything's good, set up, tear down. It doesn't matter the role that you play. It's all significant because it all plays a role in helping students come to find and follow Jesus, right? And change their lives and set them up for, um, you know, to win in life because they've got, they've got Jesus. And so, um, so always reminding them, celebrating stories, right? Of like, when that's happening, you need to tell your volunteers, listen to this story, listen to the story of life change. Um, so that, and, and know that you played a role in this. We can't, we can't overlook that. The other one is um, to provide first class support. There's nothing, nothing worse than um, when a volunteer comes to serve and they don't have what they need or they don't feel equipped or they don't feel um, like they have even the information, right? So the tools and the resources are, are necessary, but curriculum, all of those things, um, because they start to feel stupid. And when people feel stupid, they say no, mm-hmm. right? It's the, that's a whole you know, business background. And so when customers feel stupid, they say no. It's just, um, and volunteers don't want, they don't want to feel stupid. And so um, that's a, a great strategy. Um, and I'm, I'm like really <laughs> given the big broad overview. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to it. And if you want to unpack some of these things, we certainly can. Feel meaningful connections is the other one. Um, when volunteers feel like they're alone on an island, they leave. We need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to help volunteers connect to one another. We can't be, you're not Superman and I'm mm-hmm. not Wonder Woman, right? As much as we'd like to think we are sometimes. We can't. We have to do everything we can to make sure that volunteers feel connected to one another and they feel connected. So if there's whenever there's more than eight to 10 volunteers, we should have a coach in place that is shepherding, shepherding them, celebrating them, training them, coming alongside of them, celebrating moments, you know, milestones in their lives. It can't be us um, once we have more than eight to 10 volunteers. And I have found over the last, well, I think I implemented volunteer huddles 15 years ago um, in kids ministry. And these are the pre-service huddles. We meet 30 minutes before we serve. We now do that because it was so effective in retaining volunteers and connecting volunteers in kids ministry and then student ministry. that now that is something that we have implemented throughout the church. Mm-hmm. Every volunteer team um, does a, a huddle before service. And it is a game changer. Because volunteers start to connect with one another, they start to have, become friends with one another, they start to go out for coffee, they get in small groups together because you're providing that connection point um, that really impacts their lives and gives them that sense of community and belonging. Like nothing we as an individual can do for all those people. And then the last one is empower their passions. And that's really, um, really leaning into volunteers. You talked about it earlier, right? When you said like about someone developing you right and that is that's crucial where we're not just looking at people as a warm body but we're looking at them and saying how can i come alongside of you and help you thrive in life not just your role as a you know student leader but in life um so the things that we're training volunteers on is it can it impact not just their role as a as a leader in student ministries but how can we impact them as a spouse as a friend as a coworker, as a boss right so conflict management when we when we think about you know well how do you handle conflict with a teenager make it applicable to every 
aspect of their lives, to add value to every aspect of their life, because that's what makes volunteers say, wow, I'm not just a number. They care about me. Um, They want to develop me. And it's really providing a framework for volunteers, right? Mm -hmm. So that they understand, especially the onboarding process, I think is huge because that's when we help them to understand what our values are, what our mission is, our strategy, how we go about it. Um, and then what, what a win looks like. Mm-hmm. Volunteers need to know that everybody wants to be a part of a winning team. And so volunteers need to know what does it look like to win in this role that you're asking me to do? Because then they'll evaluate it. You know, they'll constantly be assessing like, okay, did, was I effective today? Did I win based on what you laid out for me, that one sentence win statement? You know, what, what does it look like to win? Because if they, volunteers don't know the framework, they'll create their own. And then that's when we see, I don't know if you've ever had this in student ministry, right? We have where Mm -hmm. volunteers start to go rogue, right? Well, I just think this would be a good idea. And they go, and then you got to like pull them back in. And if you're not great with handling conflict, that can be such a source of contention and stress in your life when it's not necessary. It could have been avoided. You know, not, I'm not saying perfect, but um, we can avoid a lot of those awkward conversations because in the very beginning, we've made it very, very clear what it looks like to win and what the parameters are, what we do and we don't do. Um, and that, of course, includes policies and procedures, but it's really bigger than that. Um, yeah, so developing people is is that part of empowering them, finding out what their passions are, learning how they're wired, how God has uniquely wired them, and then saying, all right, and giving them opportunities to step out and do something bigger than they ever thought that they could do. Yeah, I was a little bit of a late bloomer uh, when it comes to uh, reading reading your reading your book uh, that you and uh, Darren Reiser and a few others kind of co-wrote, and I thought it was phenomenal uh, when it comes to to retaining volunteers. The reason why I liked it a lot is all the points you just mentioned are all laid out in this book. And again, for those of you listening, I'll have uh, a link to that in the show notes. Uh, the reason why I loved it because it was very practical. And it's uh, practical, and plus it's crossed um, very applicable to smaller and large church settings. Uh, and that's real. I, I loved it because it, it, it's very applicable for what I'm dealing with now. But one thing, I, it's tied in to everything you just said that has been working for me, at least in my volunteers, because I don't, I don't have a revolving door. Um, I've been very, very blessed, and I have a, a huge revolving door of volunteers um, over the years. Uh, but part of that, I think, for me at least, and it's tied into a lot of what you're saying too, is uh, I have I'll have a covenant, a laid out expectations mm-hmm. uh, of what I have for them, and again tied into that is what is a win, what 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 is a win to us uh, as a ministry? It's not numbers, even though numbers is important. You need to have some kind of metric uh, to kind of know to uh, know what direction we may need to go. But that's not the ultimate metric. Uh, it, the biggest metric for us is spiritual growth. Um, that, that's our win. Uh, when, you have a, when you have a kid and, and youth who is all doing stuff they should be doing, and all of a sudden they're getting, they're understanding, their life is transforming, they're becoming more like Christ, uh, they're getting more involved in, in, in church, those are our, our wins. Mm-hmm. Um, so having those expectations, and another thing that, that's been very good in my contacts as well is um, vision casting. Every, every single year, uh, we have two main important meetings. Uh, the one at the beginning, uh, the beginning of the school year of, of, of kind of, or what do we want to see happen, God work in the school year? What are our goals? And then we go at the end of the year, 
roughly about April, May, towards the end of the school year, where we're saying, okay, what things have we missed this year? What are our goals for the next year? What do we want to see work in? What are some things we need to change as a ministry? And vision casting, and with that is actually brought um, an ownership for my leaders, where they own the ministry. Because I let them, I let them know, same like what you said earlier, is I can't do it all. Mm-hmm. I, cannot, I can't do it all when it comes to, uh, to ministering to all my kids. I can't do it. have a one-on-one relationship. And, and for them to understand the importance of their role and how vital they are and, and how much God is currently using them uh, in, their, in their ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, that's what's tied into a lot of what you're just saying and has worked very, very well uh, in my context um, as well. But if, if, if you had to nail down one piece of advice um, uh, for youth leaders, what would that advice, advice be? Oh, that's such a good question. I've been thinking about that. Um, one piece of advice. I think the thing that I would say is to love people well. Because I think that serving in ministry is the number one catalyst for spiritual growth. And if we look at volunteers as warm bodies to simply fill roles, this is a little harsh, okay? But it's something that is just, um, I think about a lot. I will stand before God one day and be held accountable for the gifts that he has given me. And I believe that, the, that volunteers are a gift because he, he gives them to us and he trusts us to shepherd people well, to love them well, to figure out who God uniquely created them to be, to help them take steps, to be a part of the adventure. <laughs> you know, I look at it that way. When, when I'm asking a volunteer to, um, to volunteer, I'm asking them to, to step into an adventure that will change their lives for the better. It will help them be better followers of Jesus. It will help them grow in their faith. It will help them in that it will give them something to get out of bed in the morning to do. You know, that like, I love when volunteers say my favorite day, my favorite hour is Sunday morning because I, I have, I've, I'm literally quote, quoting someone right now, a big executive VP, um, director of marketing in a, in a large engineering firm in this country and loves her job, loves it, gets paid really well. Like it's a significant job. She loves it. But I'm, I'll never forget the day she said to me, Christine, I love my job, but Sunday mornings, that hour, that hour and a half that I'm here is the most significant, meaningful thing I've ever done with my life. And when volunteers start to say to you, because of serving in this ministry, in our ministry, I am a better blank, right? I'm a better follower of Jesus. I'm a better boss. I'm a better spouse. I'm a better parent. All of those things. That's how you know as a ministry leader that you're winning because people's lives are changing in a better way. And they are, they are not just, um, you know, winning in life and all of that, but that they know Jesus better because of their experience serving with you. And I think that sometimes we lose sight of that because we're busy. We're all busy, right? Ministry is hard. Sunday's always coming and it's exhausting. But when we lose sight of that, we lose sight of why we do what we do. We are called to not do the work of the ministry, but we are called to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We're called to build the bench. You know, that's something that, that term that we're using right now, like we're building the bench. 
and not because it's what we want from people. We need volunteers. No, it's because of what we want for people. So I, yeah, that's, that's my passion. <laughs> no, no, I agree. And I have a, uh, a similar story, um, with a small group leader who came up to me, uh, one Wednesday and our midweek programs on Wednesday nights. And he came up to me afterwards and just, and just said, I think I'm getting more out of our small groups than my actual teenagers in my small group. Mm-hmm. I think God's uh, working on me with a lot mm-hmm. of these issues that we're going through. And to me, it's, it, to me, it was another, because again, as a leader, you're, you're tired, you're exhausted. You're, you go through discouragement. I say, is this really working? Is my leaders getting it? Is my kids getting it? Um, but it, it was another reminder that God is working, whether you realize it or not. Mm-hmm. But it, it takes you being diligent and also uh, pouring into your leaders. Because the reality, you're, like you said earlier, you're shepherding, you're shepherding your students, but you're also shepherding your leaders. Right. Um, and you're equipping them, to me, more than you're equipping necessarily your students. Yes. Um, uh, you're equipping them. And so that's the reason why to, at least in my opinion, and, and, and again, the research I'm seeing as well, it's almost more important to spend the majority of your time with leaders than it would be necessarily students. And what I mean by that is it's because your, your leaders are, have a better relationship with students, a one-on-one relationship mm-hmm. more than you do. Yes. And because you can't personally minister to, unless you're in a smaller church setting, uh, but you can't minister to 20, 30 kids one-on-one and have a deep relationship one-on-one. Your small no. group leader does. Right. Uh, so that's the reason why, to me, it's more important to invest the majority of your time in your leaders, equipping them, um, training them, and just loving on them showing, and than it would be necessarily devoting the majority of your time with students, even though that's still important. Yeah. But the majority of your time really needs to be focused on leaders. Yeah, and I think, again, that's a mindset shift, right? Because for years, it was all about, you know, the student pastor or the kids pastor or the, you know, you're the one and you're trying to pour into all of these. And then, but you look back in Exodus 19, I believe it is, where we talk about that in book, in the, in the book where, you know, <laughs> Jethro says to, like, you can't do this. You're going to burn out. What are you, what are you thinking? You know, a healthy span of care is between five and 10. Anything outside of that, you are overestimating your capacity, buddy. Like you need to really, like Jesus had 12, right? And then even with that, he had really three. And so um, for us, we made a um, we made a change a number of years ago where we said it's going to be people over programs. Production means a lot to us. We want to make sure we have a great worship experience and, you know, that our, our messages are, are solid coming from student ministries across the board, you know, but in, we're talking student ministry in particular here. Um, and we started to say, we're elevating small groups above everything else. Now, when you're the student pastor, that's an ego, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's an ego check. You got to figure out like, Ooh, you know, when we say that our small group leaders play a more significant role than even our student pastor. And I wish we had more time to talk about that. Cause yeah. you know, you could, there's a lot to say with that, but that, that our student pastor, for our student pastor to have the mindset of small group leaders are the pastors. Now I've got to pour into them because they're pour- exactly what you said. That's a mindset shift. That is a totally different approach to ministry, but it's the most effective form of ministry because of the whole span of care thing. You as one individual cannot possibly minister to all of those people. And you can try, 
but then you're going to burn out and then you're no good to anyone. And so why even, you know, why do that? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of it uh, comes down to, it comes down to two things or several things, but two come to mind. Part of it is, is just the leadership training side. Uh, a lot of it have, a lot of people have not been trained to understand that uh, when it comes to entering a ministry. And the flip side of that as well is um, it's a pride issue. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a deep pride issue because uh, it's very hard to give up control yes. to, to a group of people. Uh, it's, just, it's very hard. And, and that's the reason why you have to have a pride check. Take, check mm-hmm. your pride at the door. And um, again, you, you gave a great example of uh, just, just Christ. He had, he had a hundred and some uh, disciples that followed him. He had 12 that he deeply invested in. Then he had three that he extremely deeply mm-hmm. invested in. Uh, you can't invest in, in a big and large group of people. It just, it just, it's impossible. You don't have the time, yeah. uh, especially in our culture today. Uh, if you're married, you have kids, you're, those two things right there take uh, sometimes 70% of your time or more uh, with, your, with your family. And mm-hmm. so you, you got to be really intentional on where your time goes to. That's the reason why I think a majority of your time really needs to be invested um, in leaders. I love that you said pride because that takes a lot of humility to be able to recognize that, right? I I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, actually, and they're in the student ministry world, and I caught something that they said, um, and they didn't even realize that they said it, but it was something along the lines of, but what if they're better than me? And I said, yeah, what if, again, mindset, right? What if they're better than you? Like, hopefully they will be right? That's our job is to help people shine, to step into God's calling and purpose in their lives and help them shine. And, and then we just had this good conversation about, I'll never forget um, years ago. I don't know if it was my lead pastor or just another pastor saying, if you want to be irreplaceable, replace yourself. Right. And then I thought, Oh, because there, I experienced that. I mean, I I talk about that in the book as well under empowerment where um, you know, someone was stepping into ministry and I was, she was a new volunteer and I was watching her like, and she's so effective. And I was, I started to feel very threatened. I started to feel like, I got to find you somewhere else to serve, honey. Like, no, this isn't <laughs> not here. This is my baby. And God just really did a work in my heart. The Holy spirit was like, what? This is not your ministry. This is my ministry. These are my kids. And so like, come on. And then it was, I just was challenged, like check my ego at the door, get rid of my pride. I want to come from a place of humility, which means serving people. When we serve people, we elevate them to and give them opportunities to do things better than us and to set them up for success and get out of their way. Because in the end, listen, if you're not there tomorrow, if you're not there next week, next year, don't you want if you really love the Lord and you really love your students, don't you want ministry to be able to continue without you? And the only way you're going to do that is to replace yourself, to help other people get into places where they can lead so that ministry doesn't skip a beat and that lives can continue to change and, and that students can, can, can continue to come to find and follow Jesus. And um, man, that's <laughs> so crucial. I, I absolutely. And uh, one thing I've, I've told my leaders, uh, within the first couple of years and be serving here where I'm currently located at. Uh, and this really shocked them. The first time I said it is my job is to work myself out of a job. Yes. It's where I'm, I'm not necessarily needed. Yeah. Um, 
And that's, that's my goal because, because I tell them that my, my God given role is not to do ministry. My mm-hmm. God given role is to equip others for ministry. That's right. Uh, not me do it all. Uh, so I, I absolutely agree. Uh, so Chris, uh, Christine, if somebody wanted to get in contact with you either to flesh this out a little more or just had different questions about um, just retaining volunteers and volunteer, even volunteer recruitment, uh, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Um, best way is probably through um, Instagram. It's C Kreischer. So C K R E I S H E R. Um, that's probably the best way to message me through through Instagram. And I'm also doing a breakout at Orange with Frank Beeler. I don't know if you know Frank Beeler, but he's an incredible leader. So we're doing a, a volunteer breakout um, at Orange on Thursday, I believe. So can, I'd love to meet anybody in person for sure. Absolutely. Well, Christine, I just want to thank you for taking your time and coming out of the podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, guys, I'm, I'm very thankful for what uh, Christian Kreischer had to talk about when it comes to retaining volunteers. Uh, like, like we talked about earlier, this is a topic that is extremely important more than ever before uh, when it comes to retaining volunteers. The reality is that ministry is changing. How we do church is changing. Youth ministry is changing. And again, I, I love it. I love the idea of innovation and creativity um, in, in this time. I enjoy it. I love it. But with all of this is, is we have to understand that we, that our leaders are more important other, uh, than any other time before. So the question I, I, I've been asking myself, because I struggle with this area of ret- retention, is what am I going to be doing uh, to be better investing into my leaders? How I'm going to invest into them? How am I going to equip them uh, for the work of the ministry? Yeah, I, I remember when you and I were in Lynchburg doing ministry at our church together. And um, I think that our youth pastor that we were under, I think he did a good job of, at the very minimum, letting us know that we were valued and that he really appreciated what we were doing. Uh, I think at least once he referred to us as miniature youth pastors uh, because we were able to make connections with the students on a, on a much broader and deeper plane than he was because of the size of the youth group. And um, he made sure to let us know that we were valued and uh, that he couldn't do it without us. I remember him constantly saying, I could not do this without you guys. Um, And that's something that, you know, however you want to do it, you know, hopefully you took notes from this episode. Um, You may have to go back and listen to it again. I know I will. Um, But definitely make sure that when it comes to retaining your leaders, they have to know that they're valued and, and vital. Well, guys, I just want to thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. Um, again, if you found this content useful and helpful, I would highly encourage you to, again, just give us a rating review. Uh, that does help this podcast uh, make it more available and easier to find for those who are looking uh, for youth ministry content. Well, guys, I look forward to our next time that we to get together and talk about youth ministry and maybe even dive a little bit more what our youth ministry will look like in this coronavirus pandemic.